It's the next level. Hey, my name is Ross Marquand and I play Red Skull. You are listening to Panels to Pixels podcast. Check it out. Phase two is in place and awaits your command. Any sign of Costa? Not yet. Eager for your revenge, Klaus? You wanted to cut a... a to um, carve a vagina into Costa's head. That's right. <laughs> Delightful piece of sadistic irony. <laughs> and my reward as well. Uh, my looks. <laughs> my beauty fully restored. Right, right, right. It, it's just that... Uh, Physical attractiveness has always been sort of a calling card for me. And you'll have it, God willing. Panels to Pixels, Preacher Season 4, Episode 6. Welcome back to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And Steve, this week we're talking about what is called the Lost Apostle. Yeah, so I think we talked about this in the first in the first episode when we when we started when we heard, first heard this mentioned. This Lost Apostle monument in Australia is totally made up. It's completely made up by the sh- the show or the comic book. I don't I don't know if it's in the comic book or not, but it's totally it's totally made up. It's not a real place. It's not a real thing. But before we get into the the synopsis or the brief synopsis of what's going on in episode six, The Lost Apostle, I want to back up for a second and at least give my the way I'm understanding this whole Humperdoo and Jesus thing. Okay, so in season two, episode 10, Dirty Little Secret, Hairstar says that Humperdoo is the 25th great grandson of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I think it must just be for expedience sake that they keep saying he's Jesus' son and that God keeps calling him Jesus' son when actually it would technically be his like great, 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 whatever. A million grandsons later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it's just, but it, it did confuse me. So I hope if it confused everybody else to understand that I, I don't know why, I don't know where... You know why? I guess it's just this moment in time is when the apocalypse is going to be, and so Humperdoo happens to be the one who's alive at this at this moment. So the the way I understand it, the way it looks to me, is that Jesus is immortal. He's because he's God's mm-hmm. son, and all of his children though are not immortal, or his progeny is not immortal. So Humperdoo, and they all just happen, or at least Humperdoo happens to re- resemble him. Yeah, he's like a the other. <laughs> The ultimate descendant in God's mind, I guess. Yeah, and maybe that's maybe that's why God has such an affinity for him because he resembles Jesus. Because and I, I liked, I think it was in this episode of the last episode when they talked about Humperdoo being that pure spirit, that innocent and stuff. Maybe that's why he's you know to be the Messiah. But uh, 
The other thing is, I can't believe how we both forgot the Grail that this yeah whole exactly company company was called the Grail that we found out back way back in season two season two when they started searching for yeah. God. That's when we encountered the Grail for the first time. So okay, now to the Lost Apostle reminder: this is a spoilerful podcast, so if you haven't watched the Lost Apostle yet, go back and watch it, and then come back to us. But in this episode, we see that God is still playing with his diorama. <laughs> he calls Herr Star and he tells him to initiate phase two, whatever that means. And we find out by the end of, this, of the episode what the initiation of phase two means. As we see Hitler and Jesus, they're continuing to negotiate over their apocalypse binders. Tulip and Cassidy arrive in Australia to find out that Jesse has been murdered by Eugene. But in fact, he hasn't been murdered by Eugene. He's actually being tortured by the saint. And then a little while later, Tulip finds God's travel trailer and a clue to where Jesse went. So she and Cassidy rescue Jesse in a very unique way, which is kind of cool. But at the end of the episode, we catch up to where we finally, where we started this whole season out with Jesse landing thud on the ground. And all we see is his open eye on as he's in the dirt there. So who knows what's going to happen, but that's, uh, there's a lot of stuff besides what I just said that happens in this episode that I'm sure we'll get to in our top five. Oh, definitely. Let me go. You want to start or shall I? Uh, why don't you go ahead and start? Cause I think we have a very similar top five. I kind of moved mine around a little bit when I read yours. So go ahead and you Mine's start. all over the place. So, Keep in mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm different like this every once in a while, so bear <laughs> with me, everybody. My number five would be The Walk with Jesse and the Saint of Killers. Wow, that was amazing. A saint wants to kill God with Jesse. I didn't really get that plan out of the Saint of Killers from the get-go. I, I knew he was out there to get... Uh, my first impression or throughout this whole time was that he was looking to get Jesse to kill Jesse. But, you know, within that time, he tortures Jesse at first. But it's very interesting to see the two together and how they're able to talk to one another. It's it's really weird. Yeah, it's not really clear, and even within the the framework of the episode itself, there's a point there where where Jesse says to him, when he threatens to kill Jesse, and, and my number five is what happens when he threatens to kill Jesse, and Jesse basically looks at him and goes, well, you're not, if you were going to kill me, you would have killed me by now, so obviously you need me for something, you need me to help you find God, or you want me to use the voice on God, or something you know, it, it's a it's a weird. It, it really is within. Uh, it yeah, I'm with you. It's a little strange. Why does he think? Because he he did start out saying he wanted to get revenge on Jesse Custer, yeah. and you know maybe the torture, maybe that was enough of a revenge, and now he's kind of cleared his palate, and now he wants to go kill God. Uh, but my number my number five was the saint. He goes and and he kills that whole family basically to keep Jesse. 
stay to stay with him to convince Jesse to go with him. And uh, I love Jesse trying to use the word on him. And when it doesn't work, he says, uh, "Just checking." <laughs> and then you know, and then Jesse can't you know he can't fire the Saint's guns either. And even if he tries to hit him with it, the Saint just kind of looks at him. And uh, so it was it was a really great scene. But I'm with you. It's a little confusing. Why does the Saint need Jesse un- unless? He can't find God on his own. That's that's the only thing I could think of is that he was basically using Jesse to find God. Yeah, he, he Jesse is <clears throat> basically his vessel to find God to do what he wanted to because apparently, you know, the scene of killers has some sort of vice with God himself and he was like, I'm just going to take him out, but I'm going to use this guy to get him, <laughs> you know. Well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that was my number five, similar to yours. Uh, what's your number four? My number four would be Tulip and Cassidy with the whole 60s style music representing themselves as pretty much investigators in Australia where they have Eugene detained trying to find Jesse. I just love the whole banter between, you know, them like like it was like some sort of cop show back in the 70s and the 60s with Tulip and Cass, plus the interrogation of Eugene by Tulip. She knew that Jesse was alive, but she just needed to get that information out of Eugene. Yeah, that's really great, and this actually was my was my number four as well. Was just the whole Tulip and Cassidy arriving in in Australia, you know, and they get they get to the to the counter, and Cassidy flips out his wallet, and all there is is like a piece of paper in there. I didn't read it to see. It almost looked like a Doctor Who kind of thing. Like maybe he he thought he had written like police on that piece of paper, or Kilgrave, <laughs> or or whatever. Yeah, he flashes that he flashes that piece of paper, and then he puts it away, and she throws her gun down or puts her gun down on the table. Where the Americans. Uh, and I absolutely love, gosh, and the actor's name is escaping me now that plays Cassidy. I actually, I absolutely love his, his American accent. It's got a very almost Boston-ish or, or uh, I don't know, you can help me out, maybe kind of a New Jersey kind no, of No, no, it was more it Boston than anything. More Boston? Yeah. Okay, okay. And uh, he just, it just, I just love that that way they bust into the, the the station and they're like, we want to talk to the commissioner. And they're like, no, you got to fill out all these forms. And she's like, no, we're going to talk to the, it's that whole American swagger and that arrogance uh, that they have uh, that just, and they keep it up basically through the whole episode. Every time they're encountering other police officers or other Australian police officers and they're on the radio, they're calling out the, uh, the station is calling to the police officer at the house where the family's been killed saying, no, you wait for the Americans to arrive. Don't go in there. You know, we cut to the guy. He didn't wait and he comes out throwing up and it just, <laughs> the whole thing, this whole road trip aspect of the episode was great. And I'm, I'm totally with you. That whole 70s style looking like uh, Starsky and Hutch, kind of kind of thing uh was great i mean i grew up i was i was born in 1970 so i watched our oh, <laughs> yeah you know and and that's exactly what this was so i i absolutely absolutely it was it. that kind of jazzy kind of music that they use just to introduce something it's like you yeah, know exactly if you remember x-men of days of future past and things of that nature they they always put that music in there and it always gets me oceans 11 is the perfect all the ocean series movies always had that music 
and yeah. I have all those yeah. soundtracks. And I, <laughs> yeah, and I totally agree with you. That whole idea that as she's talking to Eugene and through her interrogation, uh, we even find out if. And I went back as I as I watched it the third time this week. They don't have Jesse's body. They just believe he's dead because Eugene said yeah. he killed him. And even to the point where the cop says to Cassidy that when, when he hears Tulip say that that Jesse is alive, he says something to Cassidy to the effect of, well, I suspect we're going to see your friend come out in, in this guy's stool. Like he ate him. Like, he, like he, you think he ate him? <laughs> really? Where did that? I don't even know where that came from. Like he can't even, like his mouth doesn't even open enough <laughs> to eat regular food. He's going to eat a person. Yeah. yeah. It just, that was that, it, but that's obviously the first indication that we have. And you know, the episode doesn't make us wait very long to see that Jesse is alive as they cut to the saint torturing him. So Yeah. And that would bring me to my number three. Yes, sir. Uh, my number three would be uh, the beginning of the episode of the Abraham scene with God watching it pretty much on TV. But in reflection, is God testing himself or is he testing Jesse? His little board game or uh, like, what did you call it? A diorama? Uh, yeah, that's that's what it looked like to me. But I, it's it's basically a model, a diorama. Yeah, model you know, trying thing. to manipulate Jesse and, and everyone is... It's pretty much not working. Maybe God is uh, being tested in the show by the people he created in his own image, and thus he is recreated in their image. Uh, this is something I got out of the San Diego Comic-Con. Like, they had an interview with, uh, what was it, David Harlick? Uh, yeah, Horlick. Mark, Mark, Mark Harlick. Harlick. Yeah. So the guy who plays... Uh, God in Preacher stated, and he pretty much stated, it's like how God has, you know, created man in his own representation, but in this format, you know, it's now that man is dictating to God how they feel or how he is represented to them. So it, it seems to be like a some sort of like whole clashing of, all right, I created man in my own image. Now man is creating me into what their perception is. So I, I, I started going into the rabbit hole because after I watched this this episode, if you watch watch it on AMC Premiere, it's pretty funny. I, I The last thing you'll see is the San Diego Comic-Con, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the panel with uh, Seth Rogen and the two actors as well as Mark Harlick. And they go on and on. But when Mark Harlick came on and brought that up, I, I just started, it's like, oh, wait. I, I'm, it, it started, like, getting in my head because I'm watching the show. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to have to disagree with you on one point, though. I think at least for us, up to this point in the story, I don't I don't think it's not working. I think it's I think it's everything is going exactly according to God's plan because I, I noted two things that, that make me think this is, is number one, he puts Tulip's car next to his travel trailer in that model. Very true. And so he, you know, we know, we do know by the end of the episode that it was actually a setup just for him to, I don't know what he was planning to accomplish with all of them, but it was definitely a bring, because then he also has the plane is in his little diorama 
as well. So either either he's making the diorama after these things have happened, or as I think, I think he's making them before. I think he knows what's going to happen, and so I think his you know it's it's a, it's a big uh, not to get I don't want to get too super religious, but it's one of those things that that uh, you 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 always question as a believer: Does God he's his sovereignty? Does it? mean he just he knows everything i think a friend of mine said it the best way and i totally agree with him is that god knows what's going to happen and he plans accordingly even though he makes himself look like a crazy person in this show he he is but even even though but you go back to when she finds the postcard in the travel trailer he's in it was kind of like a plan and that's what i thought too exactly he's watching her so it was all a setup i think this is all going exactly according to his plan that's uh, and i could be proven wrong on that and maybe by the end of the actual series they'll kind of break out of his plan but i think i think what we're supposed to take from this is that this is all going exactly the way he planned it even to what all the grail i think there's probably a diorama in that travel trailer of what all the grail people are doing probably. You know? <laughs> um, so meaning that uh, but yeah yeah I, god is really sneaky <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, so that brings us to my number three. Yes. My number three is just is the negotiations that are going on between Jesus and Hitler. And there's one part of these negotiations where Hitler talks about deathbed uh, conversions. And Jesus says, well, of course, if, if he truly repents. And, he, and then, you know, Hitler's describing himself when he goes, so you're saying a man could commit, could attempt genocide, could raid Danzig. <laughs> and then if at the last minute he repents he's okay and jesus is like well yeah that's it that's it if it's a true repentance and hitler says well if you get that then i'm taking back the homosexuals (laughs) which i thought was a pretty was a pretty funny way to to look at he's like i'll take back the homosexuals then Um, oh my god but and of course during these negotiations we uh we get uh we get that phone call from god to hair star telling him to initiate phase two which we now know is that uh, big old bomb being taken to Australia and the guys doing it claiming to be uh, Kiwis. <laughs> and they get called out <laughs> on it too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, uh, that would bring me to my number two, which would yes. be... Uh, my number two would be Tulips Finding God's Little Board Game or what Steve states, Diorama, and seeing how he has been manipulating everybody, uh, including Jesse. She sees clues as to what his game is pretty much about, but I didn't figure it out. All she got was that Jesse is going to meet God, and it's something that God put in place because he left those clues, like you said before. Yeah, exactly, and I'm, I'm going to switch my number up here a little bit because I want to jump in on what you're saying with, with this because... There's a little bit of a confusion here, and it is, it, at least to me, it's a little confusing, is that she sees, basically she sees the postcard of the lost apostle. She sees the little the little Jesse and the little God standing next to each other. And uh, I don't remember if there was a model of the lost apostle there as well. I think there might have been something sticking up Apparently. that was representing <laughs> that monument. And she figures out that, oh, that's where they're going. And then she goes to get Cass, and we discover that Tulip can fly a plane? Apparently, this is like out of the blue, and it just—it was one of those things that I just went, huh? And so I, I'm with you. Like, so this is my number two. I, I switched it up. This is my number two as well. Is that 
is that we have this this plan forming where they're going to rescue Jesse and they they do it everything works they take the plane and she flies over and I, I can only assume that they must have been able to see Jesse from the air and and so they they see him in the saint and they they come down and Cassidy says something like uh, you know do you think he knows what's coming and she's like well if he doesn't it's going to be a real surprise or it's going to be something it's just how did I didn't get and this is where I wonder if we're going to have another episode where we get a flashback maybe to them kind of having some sort of plan or something maybe of this but you know they get everybody is now here at the lost apostle and they you know dip the plane down Jesse runs to catch it which okay I'll give it Jesse's fast as a plane and they they get him they get him in the plane they they put all the crop dusting stuff onto the saint of killers yeah. and they get away and the saint doesn't try to shoot them with his planet shooting guns which was a little strange to me maybe because he didn't want because we know he doesn't want to kill Jesse maybe that's why he didn't shoot at actually shoot at the plane but yeah that whole thing and then they get into the plane yeah. and I just I just come back to that how did Jesse know what the plan was when all he did was he heard a, heard a plane, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is, this is one of those things that maybe they'll come back to it and explain it to us. It's a good question though. That's the whole thing. It's like, how did he know this, that this was going to happen? Yeah. He has no foresight. He's, he's not clairvoyant in any way. He probably just saw a plane go, right. Oh, that's my easy ticket out. Maybe these guys will come down and get me. <laughs> Oh yeah, they're dusting the non-existent crops in this field. I it just it was it just seemed very coincidental that he would know. And then he sees Cassidy, and so then of course the bomb goes off, and we get that ending of. Uh, and that's good. And our go to your number one. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> my number one <laughs> that would be the ending scene on the flight with the pickup of Jesse, but it fails. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ultimately, it fails. Yeah, that was really intense, in my, in my opinion. Jesse tells Cass to let him go with the voice, and he does, which leads Jesse to fall to his quote-unquote death from what we see from how the season started off from that opening scene, and now here we're seeing it at the end of this episode. Now, that's pretty much a huge cliffhanger right there, but obviously... We know that Jesse's still alive because they keep giving us and feeding us these things with him with an eye patch and everything else. So we know he's not dead. Yeah, and we'll talk about it when we get to the end of after all of our other thought. We'll talk about the preview for next week as well, which which may give us an indication of how Jesse's going to come back. I think it it does. It's just it's it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. That whole thing was just really really strange and. Uh, I love, though, I'm with you. I love the fact that Cass was willing to let his arm burn. Yeah. You know, to try and get Jesse into the the plane. And then Jesse, like you said, he has to use the voice to get Cass to let him go. Exactly. And, of course, like you said, we get that ending where we get him in the dirt, but we don't have Cassidy. So it, it's another kind of, the tension is kind of out of it. Because, like you said, we've seen images of jesse with an eye patch so we know he's yeah. gonna come back to life we've seen that there's some point where 
Tulip and Cassie are in this hotel room together. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that scene yet. So we know they're going to survive the explosion that apparently blew up, should have blown up the plane, I would think, that big of an explosion. Maybe the explosion wasn't too big. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things to be answered in the next four episodes, though. Which uh, brings us to my number one, which is is pretty simple, and I think I kind of talked about it last last episode. Is that we find out for sure that Tulip has not read Jesse's letter. Everything that we've seen and heard from her is her imagining of what's in that letter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so I, I found that really interesting. That even when Cassidy skims the letter, he says, "No, there's nothing in there to tell us." Uh, where he's going, but it was two pages. <laughs> it, it was two pages, and he skims the whole thing, and then she doesn't even want to know. I was really uh, that was really interesting to me. So I wonder if we're gonna get her reading that letter. We're gonna find out actually what the contents of that letter are uh, next week because that was the last thing that you know. As Jesse is is being taken away now, he didn't use the voice, but he he did say to Cass, "Make Tulip read the letter." Yeah, you know, it was kind of like a suggestion, like, "Hey, make a yeah. letter." Yeah, yeah, and I, I wonder if that's one of those things that that you know, it would have been something. How could Cassidy, even if he had used the voice, how is Cassidy going to make her read the letter? You know, hold her eyes open and put the letter in front of her. No, I, you know, uh, it it's just... it, it's all about convincing, and I think that mm-hmm. had to do with how Jesse knew that they were together and just yeah. how they all are together. Exactly. So, so we've got a couple of quotes here, and uh, I just have one that I thought was really funny, especially the third time I watched it when the waitress comes up to Cassidy and she wants to give him a cuppa, and he's like, you people in your cuppas, I don't want a cuppa, um, which is a little confusing because he's Scottish, and I was in, I, I went to Wales at least, and they say cuppa in Wales, they say cuppa in London, and so you would think he's he's... You would you would think he's already been conditioned to accept the whole cuppa thing, but I I just I just chuckle at that. Are you people in your cuppas. Uh, I had one that uh, is pretty funny. Cast to Jesse in the airplane. Hey, when you find God, you're going to have to explain the Big Lebowski. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Make it, and you know, even he's kind of tongue in cheek now at this point with it because he kind of he kind of gives gives him a little wink and a nod, uh, even when he says it. Uh, so I thought that was that was great. I agree with you. That's a good quote. And then uh, there was one other that I had, which I, I I was on the floor laughing about this. I thought it was so funny. Uh, the waitress at the diner when Cass asks for drugs or any cleaning chemicals, stating he's a drug addict. <laughs> The delivery was so funny, it had me on the floor, honestly. It's like, there might be some flame, uh, fire retardant about back. Now, mind you, what do we see in the back of the airplane when you see Cass? It says, flyer, fire retardant in the back of it. Yeah, he brought him with it. He brought it with him. I, I thought, and I totally agree with you, This that actress, that actor, she did it perfectly because he just he, you know it it seems like he's he's trying to put her off balance when he when he says about the drugs and she just kind of looks at him and goes there might be some flame retired in that back you know <laughs> so, okay you can go sniff that um yeah <laughs> uh so it, we got some additional notes here some things that we uh we didn't get to in our top fives yeah let me let me do mine first because my first one is is really is really 
quick is just jazz. I don't get it. Jazz music. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get the. I don't get the the attraction. I don't get the. It's 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 discordant. It's just notes. I don't. I don't understand it. Do they actually write those songs or are they just play? It, ugh, jazz music. <laughs> it's I, jazz maybe it's is. just not for it's me. It's free form. That's a literally what jazz is. It's mostly free form and just jamming out. Yeah. Okay. Mine would be, uh, my additional notes would be, it, it was pure daylight pretty much when Cass and Tulip were in the diner. So how did Cass get inside? Can an umbrella really protect him from the sunlight in the outback? That's all yeah. over the place. <laughs> yeah, this is a problem. This is a problem. And I don't think we, the series itself has been very unclear about inconsistent with his exposure and his uh, aversion to sunlight, his uh, um, what's the he's uh, allergic to his allergy to sunlight, I guess is what yeah. you would call it. They've been very unclear about that. And I don't know if it's a thing where the older the vampire is or if. if the exposure is limited or, or what, but like, even when it, it just, yeah, no, I'm with you. It's, it's completely, they, they're, they're inconsistent about it. Cause you know, he throws his son out the window and makes him stay out there. And that's enough. Hoover, uh, just barely like he, the all father knocks the umbrella hat off Hoover's head. And he basically, bursts into flames and, and dies right there. Now, of course, that was direct sunlight. But still, I, I'm with you. The, the series itself has been a little inconsistent yeah. as to the effects that sunlight has on Cassidy. And, you know, just the fact that when the very first time we see Cassidy, he jumps out of an airplane mm -hmm. in full daylight. He lands on the ground. He's in a hole. That he's, cow, well, he's in half, isn't he? Mm, I no, thought he, he was in half at that time. I don't know. I I don't think so because because he no he was near he was near he was close enough. There was a there was a cow, because he remember he sucks the he gets the blood from the cow and that's apparently and then I guess he covered himself up with dirt until the sun went down. I guess so. But he jumps out of that airplane, and so yeah. So I I think the whole the whole series has been very inconsistent with with the the sunlight and and vampirism. Uh, yeah. The other thing I had, one thing I had was that uh, we get that last shot uh, there towards the end of Featherstone in her disguise. Uh, as a, She's disguised <laughs> as a man and she's working at the Masada coffee house. I thought that was interesting. Uh, what's she, what is she going to do? Yeah. And my other would be uh, God and the Allfather. When God shows the Allfather what he knows, what the Allfather has, you know, what's been going on with him, his, you know, the Allfather's deceit. <laughs> Yeah. Then six the dingo on the All Father. That was pretty much funny. I'm sorry. It's just like, oh yeah. It's like oh, no, no. he he starts going through the actual uh, the proper terms of what a dingo is. Yeah. And it's just six it on him. Yeah. yeah. It, it just tells you don't cross God. I thought that was I thought that was hilarious. I'm right there with you. I laughed. I, I laughed every time when that dog attacked him because Hairstar is so sure he's that God is going to make him beautiful again and and make him look whatever. Um, <laughs> And, and the, the dog attacks it. But then something interesting, and I don't know if we've ever heard it before, and maybe it was just a coincidence. Maybe they, but I guess we'll find out. But it really sounded like God used the voice that because they did that echoing thing yes. when he told Hair Star not to cross him, or or yeah, Hair Star not don't cross me again, or or something like that. It really they did that same echoing thing that that they do when Jesse 
uses the voice. So I found that really interesting Yeah, that I wonder if we're going to have a dueling voices here at some, at some point, because it would make sense that God would have that power as yeah. well. So, and you would think Jesus would have it, but apparently he does not. And we were already shown that a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. I think, I think there's a, yeah, I don't think, well, no, because he did say he can do some miracles, but he also said something about a lot of those are metaphor. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. I almost, I'm now that as we start talking about this and as I was saying earlier, I almost want, no, I don't think that. I think he is Jesus. He is the 2000 year old. Jesus. Yeah, I think um, so too. But it's, it's uh yeah, it is, it, it is, you would think he would have that power. At least he would have some form of that power. Maybe, maybe he just doesn't use it. Maybe he's just so laid back and that's or the Or maybe point. he's so naive. He doesn't know how to use it and know mm, when to use it. I don't, yeah. I mean, possibly. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see. I really think he's just, I think he's just more, he's just so passive of a character. Yeah, well, that, maybe he's uh, just and, pouring a lot of, you know, turning water into wine and just drinking ex- it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so no feedback uh, this week. I'm, I'm hoping we'll get some feedback from, from people this in the coming weeks as we, as we uh, close out the series. But uh, uh, what, do you, what do you think, Mark, as, as a whole, as the series is, is going, what do you think? And let's talk about the preview here as well, what you can remember the preview. Oh, I'm entertained every week. Come on. The, uh, this show is nuts and funny. I, I just enjoy it as it is. Like I said before, I've never read the comic. I maybe read the first two issues at most. But uh, from what I'm told, there is a big difference between the comic and the actual show. Mm-hmm. But the show is extremely entertaining. And Seth Rogen and the rest of the crew have like have been entertaining us and giving us like really <laughs> interesting episodes, and that's how why it's what spanned four seasons. Yeah. So you know there there's so many elements in it that I love, uh, but we also get the warm feeling of friendship as you spoke about before, Steve, with right. these characters, and I think that's what intrigues us to constantly come back. Yeah, it's about the relationships, and at first, before I watched the preview, I kind of was wondering if God was going to bring Jesse back to life, because remember, they, at the, in the first episode, he talked about, with Hair Star, about he, they want him to suffer, and mm. uh, I'm starting to think that those conversations with Hair Star were just him being deceitful to Hair Star. I think he's got a whole different plan, but if you, if you, did you watch the preview for next week? I saw a glimpse of it, that's about it. In the, in the preview for next week, it appears that Jesse is going to die and he's going to go to heaven and they uh, and the angels are trying to install him as the new god that's what the preview kind of indicates that's uh, pretty to, cool to me anyway so i'm, I'm going to be interested to see now of course we know the previews lie and the because we thought that tulip and jesus were going to rob a bank because of one of the previous previews and that didn't happen so anything can happen it, maybe it's a, it might be a dream of jesse's who knows but i, I definitely am uh, am excited for these last four episodes and i hope we get to, i hope we get a good conclusion to the series and part of me wonders if Seth Rogen is going to show up since he did show up in an episode of The Boys. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you got some comic talk. That I do. Well, everybody, Spawn issue number 300 hit comic shops this week. Yes, yesterday, Wednesday, we're recording this on Thursday the 5th. 
So Todd McFarlane came back to work on it. So there are multiple amounts of variants out there. Todd has actually done some work inside it as far as drawing. I hope everyone out there got, you know, got their version of Spawn issue number 300. So, nice. so uh, I got mine. I got a, a sketch variant that uh, Todd actually drew. But, you know, keep in mind, everybody, they're not going to go up in value extremely because they've issued out so many. So get it for the fact that you like the artwork on the actual cover and, you know, read the story if you can. Yeah, it takes about 40 or 50 years, really, for comic books to uh, to have any kind of, of up tick in value really not necessarily <laughs> well i mean it depends on the comic book but, but yeah. for the most part comic books now that were like from the 60s and the 70s are in the if they're in good condition uh the eight comic books from the 80s haven't quite yet caught up to that yet or but, if uh, you'd gone to the franklin institute in philadelphia where they actually had the marvel uh exhibit where steve actually went to and i went to but they had the original Marvel comic out there, and somebody I was looking at with was standing there, and he had his phone out, and they did a CGC on it. So they had the barcode, so the guy looked it up, and he goes, dude, that's $3.2 million right there under all that acrylic. Well, yeah, I'm not, but even that was like a 70 year old or a 60. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. They've got to get, it's decades. It's, it's going to be your grandchildren, people that are going to make money off your comics. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you go out there and you look for a first pressing of yeah. the last uh, Walking Dead epi- issue, or no, I can't say episode, but issue that Robert Kirkman put out. Uh, it's very hard to come by because it was in limited press. Right. So now you're starting to see that online for 150 bucks per so yeah but what but you know five to ten 20 years from now i uh you, they might still be up there it just depends like i said it depends on the comic and there's a lot of very very variations. True. yeah go ahead <laughs> um d23 has given us a lot of information on marvel projects so uh, She-Hulk is coming to disney plus i'm so happy for this because i love She-Hulk as well as Steve, you're gonna Moon love Knight. it. I'm Moon excited. Knight. Yeah, I'm excited for Moon Knight. I, I like that character, and uh, the comics haven't been running here in a while, so yeah. So we have Moon Knight, and there's so much more. I suggest to everybody that's out there that's listening, go and watch all the D23 YouTube videos that are out there. There's so much in there. There's so much information, not just on the Marvel stuff, but uh, the, the Mandalorian is coming out. They have the, the trailer for that. They had the trailer for the next Star Wars movie. Uh, a lot of cool things that are going on with uh, the Disney parks. So I, I would just recommend just if you had a day just to sit and watch YouTube, look at the D23 stuff that they have and just enjoy it. So we have a couple of suggestions and my suggestion is there is a podcast out there. I don't believe it's part of the Next Level Podcast Network, but Craig is out there and he is. So you want to listen to uh, comic book gurus if, if possible. Uh, Craig actually went to, like I stated before, the Franklin Institute where they had the Marvel exhibit. He has a video online. 
If you go to Comic Book Gurus on Facebook, you'll find it. If you're in the Philadelphia area, they're on 93.3 WMMR. And he's a good friend of the podcast for uh, The Next Level. And he's a good friend of Ben Beck. I talked to Craig a couple of times. He's a really nice guy. Loves his comics. He's always out there every Wednesday getting his comics. And he did a great tour on YouTube and on Facebook. If you could go to that particular uh, page and you could see the whole Franklin Institute. It, it's amazing. I, If it comes to your town, I suggest you go to it. But also give them a listen because they have great insights about comic books and what's going on currently and in the past. Very good, very good. So Comic Book Gurus is the name of that one, huh? Correct. Okay. Uh, I want to recommend the TV podcast industry's podcast about the boys. They will be wrapping up their coverage of the boys uh, next week. I believe next Wednesday they'll be covering episode eight. I've already sent them in feedback uh, for that episode, so you should hear my voice on their podcast next week. I, I just got mine in for episode seven with that dropped this week, so... Uh, I'm excited to hear these are great guys that Mark and I know. And uh, so just uh, give, them a, give them a listen, give them a subscribe, TV Podcast Industries. Yeah, they're amazing. I love Derek. <laughs> so uh, how could people send us feedback? Well, we are on, we can be heard on Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, or whatever podcast player of choice that you use. Uh, if there's a rating or review section available, give us some five stars. Heck, don't give us low stars. I'm just going to always ask for five stars. Five-star reviews, great reviews. If you don't like us, you can say that. Still give us a five-star review. Just say you don't like it. I don't care. No. <laughs> uh, listen to us. Uh, send us some feedback, man. Uh, check out our new website. It's www.panelstopixelspodcast.com. we got that whole alliteration thing going. Panelstopixelspodcast.com. You can also submit your theories and feedback uh, to our Facebook page, which is at facebook.com slash panelstopixels. Or you can email us at panelstopixels1 at gmail.com. That's panels to pixels one the to is right there in the middle spelled out the one is the number one at gmail.com and we also have a brand new voicemail line where you can call us at and i believe mark has that number yes that will be 845-350-2095 and there will be a nice little greeting and just leave us some feedback that's all we ask and we will actually play it on the podcast just like Steve does and other podcasts because you could hear his voice everywhere else. And where else can they hear us, Steve? Come on. Well, <laughs> you can hear my good friend Mark as he is the co-host on the Walking Dead Talk Through podcast with Brian Malosh on Talk Through Media. Yep, they have their own podcast network. It's called Talk Through Media. You can find them at talkthroughmedia.com and there's going to be some great podcasts coming up on there. You'll find the Discovery, Star Trek Discovery podcast there already. The Picard podcast when it comes out will be there. And of course, you can always hear us on all of the the uh, the Next Level Podcast Network shows and uh, there's a link there from, to talk through media, all of it. We we are out there, people. Social media us up. Talk yep. to us. Send us some feedback. Next Level Podcast Network. Talk through media. Podcastica. Whichever. However you want to contact us. We love it. Yeah, and you could actually hear Steve 
right here, of course. <laughs> but he also submits a lot of feedback to various other podcasts, and he looks forward to talking about great TV often, all the time. He loves going on Podcastica. He does, what was Derek's podcast? TV Podcast Industries. TV they cover, Podcast they, Industries. They cover, right now they're covering superhero shows. They're covering The Boys. They're covering Pennyworth, which I haven't watched yet. But uh, uh, also you can hear me. I send regularly send feedback into the We Have to Go Back Lost Revisited podcast on Podcastica and this very own network, Next Level Podcast. Yep. I also send regular feedback to Strange Indeed. That is a podcast on Podcastica Network. They just started uh, covering the TV show Carnival Row on Amazon Prime, and I sent them in a voicemail for the first episode of that as well. Awesome. So you could hear us in various formats, not just here, but we always recommend you listen to us here. <laughs> <laughs> and... Please keep in mind, we love our friends, but we want to love you even more just by sending in feedback, and we can't express that anymore. Please send us any information, any thoughts, anything, and I think next week we'll probably have a little bit more. So, with that, thanks everyone for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this was Panels to Pixels, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night.